two words. They even have a whole section in the greeting cards with these two words. Not happy birthday, not happy anniversary, but thank you. Thank you. Two simple words, thank you. They can be said in a meaningless way, said, wrote, it's just what you're supposed to do, it's out of habit. They can be said in a courteous way because you are a kind person and that's what you're supposed to say, thank you. Or they can be said with great meaning, with depth, with humility, when you have been touched and you are moved. And you can think of nothing better to say, even though those words seem like too little to say, thank you. More than words, an attitude of thankfulness, a heart of thankfulness. Where does that come from? It's a posture of our heart, a posture of our mind. It's humility, a state, a mindfulness of humility from which thankfulness flows. And that humility has been undergirding what we've talked about in each of our private prayer sermons. This idea of private prayer, a personal relationship between you and God in prayer, and those of us that have Bailey's book that we've been reading the morning and evening devotionals. By the way, there's one more at the information counter, and there's this one right here. If you want it, we can get it to you. The undergirding thought has been humility. That it's not me, but it is God. Craig Groeschel said, as I quoted last week, what we pray reveals what we believe about God. I would say that how we pray reveals our relationship with God. The faith we have in God. The love we have for God. The trust we have in God. And so our four sermons, Jesus' example two weeks ago, prayers for grace about my relationship with my sin and then my selfishness with others last week. And then this week, prayers with thanksgiving will be our topic. Next week, Pastor Dallas Powell will be here and he'll be preaching about praying for others, particularly about praying for the lost. I know you want to be here. Pastor Dallas is, well, he's just Dallas. And you got to love hearing Dallas preach. Ronnie Floyd said in a conference Melanie and I were at Friday and night and Saturday, he said, when we don't pray, we act like everything depends on us. When we do pray, we rely on God. When we don't pray, we act like everything depends on us. When we do pray, we rely on God. If you haven't already opened your Bibles with me to Psalm 116, The 116th Psalm is a psalm of thanksgiving. It is a testimony praising God for His sustaining the psalmist through some difficult situations. It is a moving psalm of thanksgiving, of gratitude. Now, it features a lot of bad stuff happening to the psalmist, physical illness, oppression by others. But in the midst of his suffering, the psalmist sees God's goodness and God's grace, and he calls out to him for that. He focuses on God's character and God's action, and he is thankful for those things. And then there's something else about it that makes it a favorite. The way it starts. If you're able to stand with me in the honor of reading God's Word, would you stand together as we read Psalm 116, the entire psalm, verses 1 through 19. Those first words, I love 
the Lord. For he heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy because he turned his ear to me. I will call on him as long as I live. The cords of death entangled me. The anguish of grave came upon me. I was overcome by trouble and sorrow. Then I called on the name of the Lord. O Lord, save me. The Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. The Lord protects the simple hearted. When I was in great need, he saved me. Be at rest once more, O my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. For you, O Lord, have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling, that I may. And in my dismay, I said, all men are liars. How can I repay the Lord for all his goodness to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. His precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O Lord, truly, I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. You've freed me from my chains. I will sacrifice thank offerings to you and call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people In the courts of the house of the Lord, in your midst, O Jerusalem, praise the Lord. Let's pray together. God, our Father, we hear the psalmist, most likely David, reporting all the things that he's been through. Physical illness, near death, oppression or suppression by others. And all those trials, he saw your faithfulness. And that's our prayer this morning, that we would see your grace, your goodness, your faithfulness, your forgiveness for us in the midst of everything that we have faced and are facing. And that just as the psalmist was, we too would be thankful because our perspective is an eternal perspective and it sees what you are working in us through the pain, through the trials through the time that we have to persevere when we think we can't go on anymore. So God, here we are. Speak to us through your words and by your spirit we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. I think there are two major sections to Psalm 116. And the first section is that I give thanks to God because... In this section, I give thanks to God because we're looking at what God has done as the psalmist is repeating what God has done for him. The first subpoint there is that God hears me. He says, I love the Lord. Now, notice in your Bible, it's capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. That's the Lord God. And I love the Lord God is what he's saying. Why? Because He heard me. Charles Spurgeon said, it's love that opens our mouths that we might praise. Amen. Love opens our mouth that we might praise. Think about the people that you love and think about how easy it is for you to praise them or talk positively about them to others because you love them. It's love that opens our mouth that we might praise. And that's what opened the psalmist's mouth here. I love the Lord for he heard my voice. Don't we desire that when we go through rough times, when we don't have answers, when we have trouble in our mind and in our hearts, we desire to know that God hears us. It goes on there in verse uh, 1 and says, He heard my cry for mercy. 
Especially when we're in desperate circumstances, we cry out for God to remove from us those circumstances or to help us carry us through those things. He heard my cry. It's interesting that in the Hebrew there, that word heard is a tense of the verb that means it's continuing. It doesn't stop. It's ongoing action that God continues to hear your cry. As you continue to pray, He continues to listen. He doesn't stop listening. He's not like, oh, they're done praying now. Or I already heard it once. As often as you pray, God hears you. As much as you pray, God hears you. Verse 2, because he turned his ear to me, that picture visually of turning an ear. I've said to my kids, I need to see your eyes when we're talking. I've said to them, I can't hear you, but I need to see you. I need to be in your presence so that my ear, my eyes, since I've got tinnitus and I'm getting old and all that sort of stuff, I can clearly hear what you're saying to me. The psalmist says to God, God, turn your ear to me. In other words, so God, you can hear what I'm saying to you, God. It's a visual picture of this relationship of prayer and intimacy. The end of verse 2. I call on Him as long as I live. God's proven Himself faithful to the psalmist, and I pray to you, to me, that we can say, God, you've heard me, and God, I'm going to continue to call on you as long as I live, no matter my circumstances, I will call on on you. So first we give thanks to God because he hears us. The second subpoint there from verses 3 and 4 is we give thanks to God because he saves us. He saves us. Verse 3 gives you this graphic picture the cords of death entangled me. The anguish of the grave came upon me. I was overcome by trouble and sorrow. This is not just some hyperbole. In the psalmist's life, this very well may have been either sickness or the oppression of enemies that was leading to him feeling like he was that close to death. And what's it say in verse 4? Then I called on the name of the Lord. Oh, Lord, save me. When your circumstances are that desperate, when you feel like you're right next to dead, is there anybody else you can call on? Is there anything else you can do? The only hope of the psalmist in that situation was to call on God. Our only hope when we're in desperate situations is to call on God. The good news, prayer is never out of season. This isn't a holographic image of Princess Leia saying, Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're my only hope. It's not a space odyssey. This is real life. This is you. This is me. This is the God of the whole universe who created you to be the only you there is, who knows everything about you and loves you and sent his one and only son, Jesus, to die for you. And that God says to you, call on me. He's our hope. And he saves us from our circumstances. I give thanks to God because he hears me. I give thanks to God because he saves me, even when the cords of death are around me. But next... We see God's grace and compassion in another way. The third subpoint here is that I give thanks to God because God protects me. In verses 5 and 6, God protects me. He says, the Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. Think of these amazing descriptions of who God is, what His grace means when He gives us what we don't deserve. What His righteousness is, His perfection and sinlessness, His holiness sanctified and set apart unlike anything we know and that he's full of compassion 
that He's stirred up on the inside for us that moves Him to action. And what does He do because of who He is? Verse 6 tells us, He says, the Lord protects the simple-hearted. I've referred to myself as a Yehu before. You guys may have referred to me in some other terms before. <clears throat> Maybe you've referred to yourself that way. All of us have our moments, don't we? All of us have our points in time when we're less than thoughtful or where we're foolish or where we're simple-minded, not just simple-hearted. The Bible tells us that God protects us even in those times. Can I get an amen? When I'm at my worst, God can be at His best. The last phrase in verse 6, when I was in great need, He saved me. When I'm at my worst, when I'm at my lowest, when I need Him the most, He saves me. He protects me from the things that are going on. He saves me. He rescues me. That's who God is and that's what He does. I give thanks to God because He hears me, because He saves me, because He protects me. And the psalmist goes on with a fourth reason for us, and that is that God delivers me. Verses 8 through 11, God delivers me. For you, O Lord, have delivered my soul from death. So the psalmist is looking back to what had happened, the situation he was in, the way he did feel. He's not there anymore. He said, you've delivered my eyes from tears. I don't even have to cry about it anymore, God, because I'm safe now. You know how when you're in a scary situation, it's after the situation that it hits you what could have happened. You have a car wreck and you go, oh my gosh. I could have been hurt severely, and it's then that the tears come. The psalmist is beyond that as well. He says, you've delivered my feet from stumbling. In other words, I might have been shaken up by the situation, but I'm not shaken up anymore. I can walk firmly. I can walk normal because I'm past the situation that had me worried to death, and I thought I was going to die, verse 9, that I may walk in the land of the living. What's he saying? He's literally saying that I'm not dead yet, that I'm still here on earth, that I'm not in heaven as a spirit, that I can still walk with the two legs you gave me in the earth that you created, God. Go on there in verse 10. I believed, therefore I am greatly, therefore I said I'm greatly afflicted, and in my dismay I said all men are liars. Now this one's a little bit tough. He was so alarmed by the situation that he was in, that he was mad at other people. He was pointing fingers. He was accusing them. He was, you know, making judgments on them that maybe weren't kind and maybe weren't even right. We do that when we get our backs against the wall. When we're at odds with someone, we sometimes think less of their character. We sometimes call them names instead of just simply disagreeing based on principles. And that's exactly what the psalmist is admitting here. I've done it. If you're honest, you've probably done it. We label people, we vilify people because they're different than us or disagree with us. That's where he was at. But God did something to change him. And God saved him and brought him through the circumstances. From the 16th day of Bailey's book, our morning prayer, he says this, Oh, God, give me today a strong and vivid sense that you are by my side. 
in a crowd or by myself in business and leisure, in my sitting down and in my rising, may I also be aware of your presence beside me. By your grace, O God, I will go nowhere today that you cannot come, nor seek anyone's presence that would rob me of yours. By your grace, I will let no thought enter my heart that might hinder my closeness with you, nor let any word come from my mouth that is not meant for your ear. So shall my courage be firm and my heart be at peace. God hears us. He saves us. He delivers us. He protects us. And we can thank God for that. You've got an application question at the end of that first section. And that question asks, what do I thank God for? What about you personally? You just listen to the psalmist list as I've explained it, and you could probably name some things that might fit in the categories in that list. But personally. So let me ask you this. When's the last time you wrote down a thankful list? I've challenged you to do that maybe in a Thanksgiving sermon sometimes in the past, but it's been long enough that I don't remember when that was. That would be a great practice for you. Whether you've got a book like Bailey's that's got the space on uh, the one side where you can write a note, or maybe you've got a journal, or maybe you just want to start it in a note on your phone or something like that. Start a list of things you're thankful for, and you can do it right now while I'm preaching. It's okay. I won't get mad at you if you, you know, skip out for this one, but make a list or at least start the list of all the things that God has done for you, all the people he's given to you, all the experiences you've had, the skills, the abilities, his grace, his blessing. Make a list. It'll amaze you and it'll lift your spirit. Frankly, it'll humble you as well because you'll see God's goodness for you. Because you'll be reminded of God's love for you. A thankful list. That's your homework, really. We'll be checking next week if you did your thankful list. That reminds me of one of our values as a church, and that's a worshipful lifestyle. That worshipful lifestyle value, it's more than just Sunday morning that we worship. Our worshipful lifestyle is how we live day in, day out. It's not just what we do in here or online. It's not just what we do when we read our Bibles or a devotional book in the morning or the evening or whenever we can at home or at work. Our worshipful lifestyle is that everything we do is worship and that we praise God in all those circumstances for all those things. That's who we are. So as we pray today with thanksgiving, we prayed in the first part of Psalm 116 for what God has done. But because of what God has done, there's a response from us. And that response is our second major section of our sermon today. And it starts with the phrase, because of what God does. And that's verse 12. Because of what God does. Look at verse 12 and what it says there. It says, how can I repay the Lord for all his goodness to me? It's a rhetorical question. 
What can I do for God because of what he's done for me? I can see that God has saved me. God hears me. God protects me. God delivers me. And all the things that fit in those four categories that are built into this psalm for the psalmist and built into your life and my life for us, God does those things. But how do we respond? Now, we know that we truly can't repay the Lord, nor does he desire us to repay him. But there are practices we can do, habits we can develop that demonstrate our faith in Him, demonstrate our trust in Him because He loves us. How do we respond to Him? Well, the first one is this. I rest in God. I rest in God. That comes back from verse 7. He says, be at rest once more, O my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. Be at rest. Sometimes rest is going to sleep. We need sleep. God made us that way. Sleeping at night, sometimes you might just need a nap. Sometimes rest is something that's active, but it allows your mind to be free and it takes the pressure off your heart. It might be something like prayer or Bible reading, or it could be something like taking a nice walk, spending time with family or friends. There's all kinds of way to rest, and you need to think of what that is. But notice what he says here. He says, be at rest once more, O my soul, for the Lord has been good to me. This is a rest in God. Do you remember, if you are an adult, a time in which your child was frightened by something, hurt by something, and they came to you for reassurance? They came to you for rest. That's the picture here. That we realize that God is the sovereign God of the whole universe, but He loves each and every one of us, and He calls us to Him for rest. That rather than worrying about, rather than fretting about, rather than worrying, being anxious about, we come to Him in the perplexities of our ignorance, the wanderings of our errors, the vain efforts of our self-righteousness, we come to Him and rest. The alarms of our mind of things that freak us out, we come to Him and rest. The fruitless struggles of us trying to fix it on our own, rather than depend on Him, we come to Him and rest. And all the distractions of the uncertainties of our mind, we set them aside and we come to Him and rest because we know who He is. The Lord's been good to you, it says at the end of verse 7. We come to Him and rest. The second thing we do in response to what God does for us is we worship God. That's in verse 13 through 14. We worship God. It says, I lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. He repeats that same phrase in verse 18. There was a habit among the Jewish people of that day and time that when they were in a jam or something, one of the things they would pray to God is literally they would make a vow to God. God, when you rescue me from this, faith that you will rescue me from this, not if you rescue me, when you rescue me for this, God, I'm going to celebrate what you have done for me in the presence of a gathered assembly. In other words, I'm going to give testimony to you, God, and that vow may include even an offering they gave. Whether it was an offering of something or an offering of some money, it would depend on the person and the circumstance. And yes, you could develop some legalism about that if you wanted to, but out of the joyfulness of the heart and out of a love relationship, I think it's a beautiful thing. And look at what it says there, I worship God. He says, I lift up the cup of salvation. In other words, God, you fill it up. It's not anything I can do. When I'm holding the cup up, I can't pour it in there. God, you're the one that provides the salvation. And I call on the name of the Lord. That's a euphemism for prayer, biblically speaking. 
I call on the name of the Lord. And then he says, I'll fulfill my vow in the presence of all my people. What he's saying is, God, because of what you've done, because of who you are, I will worship you. Do we respond that way? Hopefully one of the reasons you're here this morning, one of the reasons you're tuned in today, is that you're worshiping God and responding in that way. We gather together so we might sing together. We gather together so we might learn together. We gather together so we might fellowship together. We gather together to worship together. So we respond to God with our rest. We respond to Him with worship. The third way we respond to Him is that we serve God. Verse 15 and 16. We serve God. Verse 15 and 16. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His saints. You've heard that. Many times, but you may not have realized the context that it came within. It's within a psalm of thanksgiving in which the psalmist said, here's all these things that could have killed me but didn't. Here's all these things that were oppressing me but are no longer. And I'm going to worship God because of who He is and what He's done for me. And then in the midst of this, David or the psalmist slips in, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His saints. Now let's read the context to figure out what he's meaning. Verse 16. O Lord... Truly, I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. In other words, I, my family was also servants of yours in relationship with you. And you freed me from my chains. You see what the psalmist is saying there? When a saint passes away and goes to glory, part of the reason we can celebrate and give thanksgiving is because They've served God because they had a relationship with Him. And even better if they came from a family that had a relationship with Him. And that they were freed from their chains of sin. And they were saved. And we know that they're in glory. And that's why we can rejoice. Because of what God has done for them. And because of what they have done in response to God. It's been my privilege for 15 years as your pastor to stand in this place. To preach the Word week in and week out. But some of the most holy times have been times when we've said goodbye to a brother or sister in the faith. Somebody that sat in these pews with you. Somebody that loved you and prayed for you and prayed for me. And I stand here and I try not to cry. And I try to say things as best fitting I think they can be for that person. And we sing songs and we offer prayers. We show slides, maybe. And we remember who they are and what they've done and how they've pointed us to Jesus is what I always say. We serve God because of what He's done for us. We respond to Him in humility with thankfulness and we serve Him. And even in the death of one of His saints, we can rejoice because we know we'll see them again. We know where they're at. And it comes from that spirit of humility, recognizing what God has done and who He is. Let's move on to our fourth point here and how we respond. That's that we give to God. We give to God. Verse 17, he says, I will sacrifice a thank offering to you and call on the name of the Lord. So he's literally giving a thank offering. He doesn't say specifically what kind, but there's a variety of uh, earlier in the Old Testament explained. And the verse 18 repeats again what verse 14 says, I'll fulfill my vows in the presence of your people. And then he tells where? In the courts of the house of the Lord, in your midst, O Jerusalem. And then he ends his psalm with praise the Lord.
as a result of who God is and as a result of what God does, the psalmist says, here's how I'm going to worship Him. Here's how I'm going to thank Him. And I'm actually going to give back to God out of the humility of my heart. For you and I, as we conclude this morning, we think about that. We think about, okay, Pastor Aaron teased us about having homework for a thankful list. Do it, really? But what else can I do? What else does humility of heart for me do to demonstrate that humility to God and to others? What is my personal thankfulness in response? We read what the psalmist said, but what about you? What about me? Which leads to your final application question on your outline. How do I respond to God's blessings? What's the posture of my heart? Am I regularly thankful to God? Do I realize and treasure His great love for me? Am I humble in reflection to His grace for me? Remember what was done reflects what we believe about God. Do we pray thanksgiving to God because of who He is and what He has done? And how we pray reflects our relationship with Him. Do we show that we know Him? Do we show that we trust Him? Do we show that we have faith in Him? Do we show that we love Him? By how we pray. I should be asking myself this question. How's my heart? How do I respond to God's blessings? Our scripture memory immersion of the month draws us to that conclusion. And we'll put that on the big screen for you there. It's Psalm 73, verse 25 through 26, and I'll ask you to say it with me. Psalm 73, verse 25 through 26. Whom have I in heaven but you, and earth has nothing I desire beside you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Psalm 73, 25 and 26. Let's pray. God, may that be our prayer, that in humble response to who you are and what you've done, that we would say that you are our strength. That our lives are in you. Scott, I thank you that we can come together today and open your word and study and pray to sing songs of worship to you, to give tithes and offerings to you, and through our service and through our time and effort, give our very selves to you. And it's my prayer that we would apply the lessons of this psalm, that we would start a thankful list, that we'd fill it out regularly and respond to you humbly, and that we would be reminded of your grace and goodness deliverance, protection, and salvation today and every day. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.